The Gospel of our Savior according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord if, you, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water. He came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of our Savior. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. These are two stories about two faithful servants of God. One was a warrior prophet, one an apostle, whom Jesus trusted to feed his sheep. And we hear tales of failure. I think I just got muted. So we hear tales of failure about both. These were times of anxiety and testing. Those are times often when God enters our hearts. Times when even the chosen, the faithful, find a deeper knowledge and love of God. And if this can happen to God's great warriors, great apostles, it also can happen to us. And what can these two narratives teach us? Today we are being tested. We're in anxiety, alone, even fear. And I think we feel as though we're failing. The quick and dirty inter interpretation about Peter is that he is in fear and confusion turned from Jesus just long enough for the realities of the world to overtake the greater realities of Christ amongst us. Did he sin? 
technically, yes, but there's so much more to tell. What about Elijah, that still small voice? Does God whisper? Had he not heard God all along his mission, trying to turn King Ahab from his wife Jezebel's gods to the God of Israel? Still he failed. There's so much more to tell. King Ahab had married a foreign wife, Jezebel. She honored the Canaanite god, referred to as Baal, which just means Lord. And in fact, the uh, ancient Israelis had also uh, prayed to Baal and his wife Asherah, but no more. Elijah is called upon the Lord of Israel to rid Israel of these foreign gods and to come back to the Holy One of Israel. That was part of salvation history. Elijah doesn't know that yet. All he knows is that God told him to bring Israel back to the commandments. And Elijah is given extraordinary power. He's a prophet, and he calls down a drought, one that doesn't only affect Ahab, but all the people of the land, men, women, and children. And it did nothing. Elijah did his best and failed. Almost got him killed. He ran for his life, but he was faithful. He came back, and Jezebel killed all his prophets. She had prophets of her own, all the prophets of the school, the comrades of, of Elijah, and they went, and she put a bounty on him, and he was on the run. Okay, now we see him, and he has run, and he has fallen asleep, and he mutters to, under a broom bush, and he mutters to God, saying, It's enough now, O oh Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my successors. I know the feeling. Oh, God, cut my throat. Wow. But focus on him. He's a warrior, a prophet. God gave him a mission, his supreme commanding officer. His whole team is dead. He failed his mission. His life is as good as over. But God wasn't finished with him yet. There's Elijah sleeping, finally exhausted. He's awakened by an angel and he can smell freshly roasted barley bread on a hot stone. It's a jug of cold water. The angel says, eat. He says, eat. So he eats. He goes back to sleep. And the angel wakes him up again. There's a fresh loaf. Fresh water. Eat. Eat. You're going to need it. You're going on a trip. And so he eats, and he sets out on a 40-day pilgrimage and fasts across the wilderness and up Mount Horeb. Now the name for Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. He is going up to the top of the mountain where Moses received the law. And here we meet him atop Mount Horeb. He's found a, a little cave, a crack in the rocks, and he climbs in. And God says to him, this is the dialogue, God, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes on a rant. You heard it. I've been zealous for God. I've done everything I can. The Israelis have forsaken you. There's nothing I can do. Okay. God says, 
Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, I believe every word that follows is a miracle. I, God is very clearly able to bring an earthquake, a wind that breaks rocks, fire. But this is also what's going on inside Elijah. His thoughts, his frustration, his exhaustion is all buzzing around his head like flies. Bzzz. And outside, Elijah does not see or hear God passing in the wake of, of the earthquake or, or the wind or the fire. He is finally emptied out. He now knows he has no control. Even with the gifts God gave him, he's broken, he's vulnerable. That is a hard thing for a warrior to admit. A person who had power, and now he knows that the power was never his. This is what being humbled is all about. It's not shame or beating ourselves up. It's being humbled. It's not saying I was wrong, I could have done better. It was my fault. It's just the plain and simple recognition that we're helpless without God. And if we forget, or worse, if we claim power, we are not only lying to ourselves, but to God. And that is a sin. The old language still calls it a still small voice, but there are other translations now that say sheer silence. Elijah is finally silent. He's facing his vulnerability, and now he can hear God. This time when he's asked the same question and gives the same answer, word for word, it's the same dialogue. He is not shouting. Think of the wind. He's not seeking vengeance. Think of the earthquake. He's not aflame with anger. Think of the fire. This is a confession. That's what a confession is. Honesty before God, even when it hurts. This is what happened. This is how I feel. Help me, Lord. God does not console him. Gives him, gives him marching orders. He sends him right back. Elijah obeys. Did he think back with feelings of, of on the trek home, uh, how stupid I was, I could have done better, I could have stuck it out longer without a fuss? Or has this been a pivotal point? His relationship with God, a mutual relationship, an ongoing conversation, a partnership, perhaps imperfect, but a foretaste of the Messiah that is to come. Back to Peter. No, back to Jesus. Jesus has gone up to the mountain to pray. Jesus was tired. Maybe he was discouraged. He too has tried to round up the lost sheep of Israel. They're not listening. They want flash. They want glamour. They want a free meal. His mission is to bring reconciliation that was lost in the Garden of Eden. Freedom from sin, freedom from pain, freedom from death. They're just not listening. So a little retreat time and silence to hear and feel comfort from his Abba is, is in order. He comes down the mountain. 
It's the fourth Roman hour. That's between three and six o'clock in the morning. Zero dark 30. His chosen disciples are far out in the water and a strong wind is blown up on this inland sea. Think of the four o'clock wind here in Marin and you're on a boat and it's dark. Only now if the boat capsizes, you are gonna drown. In the Greek, the word is that the wind is torturing the boat. Not battering, not tossing, it's torturing the boat. And it's a vulnerable wooden boat filled with vulnerable men, and they are terrified. Jesus has sent them ahead, and now he has to come and save them. And when they see him, they say, a ghost! No word about ghosts. If you don't believe in ghosts, how are you going to explain the holy, the Heiliger Geist, we say in German, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? There are ghosts, there are spirits. There is the world here, the world we call reality. And then there's that metaphysical world, the world of impossible things, like the presence in the Eucharist, like the efficacy of baptism, like the Holy Trinity. So they see a ghost and they see a man. It took the church over 300 years before we could even wrap our minds around it to put words to it as we do in the Nicene Creed. And we're still struggling with this. And the men in the boat are still struggling with a human Messiah. So back to the boat, Jesus says, take heart, I am, be not afraid. Those are dog whistles. I am is the name of Yahweh. Be not afraid is the sign that God is present. Angels say this too. Take heart. Open your heart unto the Lord. Open your heart to the voice and the love of God. Even when you're afraid of drowning and here comes a ghost. By the way, that is what all those stories about Jesus at the end of the Gospels making breakfast for the, for the uh, disciples and for Jairus' daughter being told to be, to be fed. Ghosts don't eat. Okay, so back to the dialogue. Peter says to him, if that is you, command me to come to you. Little test, little discernment, that's fair. So Jesus says, come. Jesus always says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and Peter walks. He takes a few steps on the water and the wind hits him and he's distracted. And the flies around Elijah's head and the flies in his head. And he's thinking, the time his mother said when he was very little, don't go near the water yet, you're too young. The first time his father and his uncles and his cousins took him out on the fishing boat, he was so excited, he nearly fell in and they grabbed him and pulled him back and they told him all the stories about people who drowned. So was it a sin or just human? Splash! Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reaches out and catches him. That was the fastest sin, confession, and absolution on record. And Jesus throws in a little penance, perhaps to make sure he remembers. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Because he was human. Because he needed Jesus. 
That too was a reminder of his vulnerability and his need for humility. A need because only God controls our fate. Whether we see Jesus as a ghost or before us in each other, or walking on the water. In the boat, and that's an early symbol of the church, his disciples, his disciples worship him, worship Jesus and proclaim him the very Son of God. But their faith and understanding are still in, in, in process. This is ours. So these two narratives are about relationship with God, how we talk to God, how God talks to us. We are chosen. Each one of us in here, we are chosen or we wouldn't be in this Zoom room. Elijah went back, and this time he and God rounded up the sheep of Israel, and laws was restored, as it had been given originally at Mount Horeb. And Peter, bumbling, enthusiastic, Peter, he's every man, he's us. Jesus did not pick the wise, he did not bring the, pick the educated, he picked Peter. And Peter was going to leave the church. Peter was going to feed his sheep. But it's not just failure. It is about humility and, and a humble and contr contrite heart. It's about knowing how little control we have, even obeying God's will, how easy it is to forget that the power isn't ours. Two great servants of God, obeying God, and they failed. And yet God's will was done. Peter fed the sheep. Elijah brought the people of Israel back. But these were pivotal moments in their lifetime, in their spiritual growth. So here we are. For many of us, this may be the pivotal moment. Anxiety may be driving us into a gift a moment of need, of helplessness, of repressed fear, of not knowing much of anything. Are we failures? We can't do a thing about COVID, even for scientists. We can do little about the daily absurdity of the administration. We vote, we do these things, but we're not seeing anything. We're not seeing anything moving great and great uh, in, in Black Lives Matter. Like Elijah, we try. But not seeing what's happening is depressing. The feeling of emptiness at this time of isolation has become, and I'm just going to read this off, as systematic as our systematic sins of fearing people who we are different and are grasping for a sliver of power to make us safe. Again, our feeling of isolation has become system systemic in us as our systemic racism and are grasping for a little power to make us feel safe, to pretend that we're safe. We are used to doing something and have something happen, but this is not about success or failure. It isn't about control. It certainly isn't about power. What it's about is faithfulness and endurance. God will lend us the gifts we need to obey his voice through the Holy Spirit and each other. But to hear him, we need to talk to God in group prayer as we do now, alone in our bedrooms, in silence, in conversation with God, from reading the scriptures, the prayer book. We need to tell God what we fear 
We need to know our vulnerability. The humility born of trust in Jesus and our Abba, a strength that lies in faith and love, which joins us to God. But become, I am, he says, and he is he. Now, be not afraid. Tell Jesus what you need, what you feel. And then listen to what he tells us, even if it isn't what you want to hear. God will send the Spirit into scientists and politicians and prophets in due time. We don't need to win. God will win with us. To succeed, we don't even need to understand. We need to endure, abide in faith. That is hard, especially for people like us. And we're used to seeing a problem and fixing it. This is a hard, hard spiritual road to hope. But this makes us part of the story. This makes us part of salvation history. Jesus will uplift us because we are the faithful, even soaking wet. Jesus, help us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.